All right, so Pastor Doug last week uh, introduced a new sermon series and really kind of introduced our theme for the year, which is Empowered. Um, and uh, he spoke about our, uh, our home field advantage. And one of the things he highlighted, um, a couple of things he highlighted, is that we have a prayer advantage and we have a Holy Spirit uh, power advantage was one of them. And so today I'm going to be speaking a little bit more about that, that Holy Spirit power. And so that's the, the title of my message this morning is Holy Spirit power. But before we get into it, I just want to pray and invite the Holy Spirit to come and to speak to us and uh, make us ready to receive. So Lord God, we thank you that you are here. We thank you that you are here, Holy Spirit. I ask that you would open up each and every one of our hearts to be able to receive for what you have today for us, Lord God. We submit to you and your will. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I'm going to use a lot of the scriptures, actually, that Pastor Doug used last week, but I think uh, it's good to hear them again. I always like reading them again. We, the thing about the Holy Spirit, he can speak, uh, you could read the same uh, thing in the Bible, and the Holy Spirit will speak to you something different each and every time. It's because his word is alive and powerful, as, like, as Pastor Doug likes to say all the time. But starting in Acts, or Acts chapter 1, starting with verse 4, it says, And while staying with them, he ordered them. Now, this is Jesus. Well, Jesus was staying with his disciples. He ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And if you don't know what the term baptized means, it actually means to become immersed in. So baptism of water, when we baptize, we immerse you fully in water. And when Jesus speaks about baptizing in the Holy Spirit, immersed in the Holy Spirit completely. So when they had come together, starting verse 6 here, when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. So Pastor Doug last week spoke about, you know, after he got done speaking to them, he literally started raising up in the air, and a cloud hit him, and the, the, the disciples were looking up into the sky, just kind of with this dumbfounded look on them. I think I would be doing the same thing, just like, did that just really happen? And then as they're doing that, a couple of angels appear and be like, what are you guys doing? He said he was going to go to the Father. Now go and do what he told you to do. But I want you to notice here that as Jesus is speaking to his uh, disciples... Uh, in verse uh, 8, it says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, basically, when I baptize you in the Holy Spirit. So Jesus is saying here that it is the Holy Spirit who empowers. It is by him that we are empowered. Now, remi a reminder, empowerment means, I don't know if it's up on the screen, but empowerment means to give power or authority to do something. So that's why he empowers. So I want to speak as we 
go further into this. Who is the Holy Spirit? Kind of important that we know who we are empowered by. And why is it significant that it is by him that we are empowered? First off, Holy Spirit is not some like mystic aura that's just floating through the cosmos. It's also not just an energy source that is kind of uh, emanating out of God himself. Holy Spirit is not an energy source that just comes out of God. It's not like light coming out of the sun. It's not just where you can grab the Bible and just soak it in. I mean... How many would actually think that would be kind of cool? Just grab the Bible and soak it in. Good, good for the day. <laughs> but God is not a power outlet that we can kind of just plug into, get what we want, what we need, and then go on, get our charge. He's, he's not something to charge our iPhones. And me and my wife, uh, when we were in college together, before we were married, um, we used to talk to each other and be like, man, it would, just, it would be so much easier and nicer if we could just take our textbooks, put our head on them, and absorb the information from them. It's like, I'm having a tough time with math. I need to, okay, let's, I, I, that would be so nice. I could take a nap, put my head on my textbook. I actually tried to do that. My mom caught me several times. I was homeschooled, so I, my mom would be like, okay, go do your school, and i do that. i go up to my room, lay in my bed, put my head on my textbook, my mom, what are you doing? Uh, studying. No, you're not. You're sleeping. <laughs> it doesn't come by osmosis. You know, me learning that uh, um, the things I did in school did not come by me resting my head on a textbook. Um, same with God's word. Same uh, with that empowerment. It doesn't just come by us having the, the Bible sit on our shelf. And power doesn't emanate out of the Bible. Come on, we've got to open it. We've got to read it. And then the power comes from the Holy Spirit. So that is, not, that is what the Holy Spirit is not. So what is the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit is a person. He's actually part of the triune God. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Uh, Matthew, uh, Jesus actually speaks uh, to this directly when he tells us that he's going to empower us and to go into the whole world uh, in Matthew 28, 19, it says, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, of the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Some of you might be like, well, that's kind of confusing. God is one, yet three persons. And you know what? We're not fu- going to fully understand that. He's fully God. God the Holy Spirit, fully God. God the Son, fully God. God the Father, fully God. Three in one. And, you know... I've wrestled with this. That doesn't make that doesn't compute in my natural brain. You know what? That's good. Because if I could completely uh, comprehend and understand everything that God is, that would be a pretty small God. Yeah. So Holy Spirit is a person, and He's actually the first one of the Godhead mentioned in the Bible. Now, all the way back in Genesis one. Genesis 1, 1 through 2 says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now you might say, well, God right there is mentioned first. I didn't hear anything about the Holy Spirit. This mention of God is speaking about the Godhead, three in one. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. 
and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. So Holy Spirit is the first one of the Godhead mentioned in Scripture. And he's a person. And throughout Scripture, he's actually called by many different names. And I think you have them all on your notes there, just so that you have reference to it. But we're going to go through it. He's mentioned by Holy Spirit 96 times. He's mentioned by Spirit of the Lord 28 times. He's mentioned by, as he is here in in Genesis 1-2, Spirit of God. He's mentioned as the Spirit of the Holy God, Spirit of Truth. So it's by him, real truth comes. He's mentioned as the helper, and in the Greek, uh, in the New Testament, that is the word paraclete. So he's the one that comes alongside and helps us. He's mentioned as Spirit of Christ. He's mentioned as this eternal spirit, the Holy One, Spirit of knowledge, Spirit of might, Spirit of understanding, Spirit of fear of the Lord, Spirit of your Father, Spirit of glory, Spirit of judgment, Spirit of burning, as we were just singing in the song, Spirit, you know, fire and wind, come and do it again. He's a Spirit of burning, and actually the, the Greek word for Spirit is pneuma, which means wind. Um, spirit of life, spirit of sound mind, spirit of grace, spirit of power, spirit of wisdom, spirit of revelation. And revelation is just a revealing to you from God um, about something. He reveals things to us. Spirit of holiness, spirit of love, and spirit of prophecy. So he's mentioned, I hope you see that, he's mentioned quite a bit in Scripture. It's not just some passing thing that the Bible mentions. It speaks a lot about the Holy Spirit in Old Testament and New Testament. Also, Holy Spirit has a personality. It kind of makes sense that a person has a personality. You have a personality. I have a personality. Sometimes uh, my personality changes by who I'm hanging out with. I'm very silly and weird when I'm relating to my kids, but I'm at work. It's usually a more professional personality. I actually have one of my employees here, and she would speak to that. Um, but we each have a personality. The Holy Spirit has a personality. And there's some scriptures here, and some blanks I think you have to fill in. But in Romans 8:27, it says, "He has a mind." So the God, so Holy Spirit has a mind that he thinks with, that he has intellect with. It's way beyond ours. 1 Corinthians 12.11 says he has a will. So he desires to do things. He has a plan. Romans 15.30 says he has emotions. And I think this might be one of the biggest misconceptions that people have about God and the Holy Spirit, is that he's an emotionless God who just orders and commands us to do stuff and expects us to obey. But he has emotions. Where do we think our emotions came from? In the beginning, he says, he created us in his likeness. That wasn't just in bodily form, but in soul and spirit as well. And the same emotions that we have, he's gifted us with. You know, one of those emotions is, is honestly anger. And that might be a hard one to, to realize, but... There's a difference between sinful anger and righteous anger. 
anger against sin and just anger because, you know, somebody did something that you didn't like. <laughs> but he has emotions. He's, he can get angry. He can get happy. He can get sad. Acts 9.31 says he can comfort. He's somebody that can come alongside of us and comfort us when we're sorrowful, when we're hurting. You know, Jesus actually displayed a couple of these when um, in the story of Lazarus, if you've ever heard, when Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead. Beforehand, Mary and Martha come to him, and they're weeping and they're crying. And it says that the longest verse in the whole Bible, Jesus wept. Okay, the shortest verse in the whole Bible. Jesus wept. Now, I don't think Jesus was crying or was brought to tears because Lazarus died, because he knew he was about to raise him to life. But he was overcome with emotion because he was feeling for what Mary and Martha felt. He was um, empathizing with them, and then he comforted them. Hebrews 3.7 says he speaks. He speaks all the time. We just need to have the ears to listen. 1 Corinthians 2.13 says he teaches. He's always teaching us uh, and doing a new thing in us. And it, for, for those of you who don't know, when we are saved by grace, salvation comes through Jesus and justification by his blood comes instantly. We are declared righteous by his blood. Sin's forgiven. Amen. <laughs> that is such good news. Does that mean now that we are completely perfect and righteous? No. There's a new process called sanctification where he takes us through this process of making us righteous like him. We're declared righteous. God the Father only sees Jesus' righteousness on us when we accept him. But then he takes us through this process of actually becoming like him. Ephesians 4.30 says he can be grieved. He can be made to feel sorrow, as I mentioned before. Hebrews 10.29 says he can be insulted. Acts 7.51 says he can be resisted. You know, he's, he's a person just like any one of us that, you know, somebody asks us to do something, ask my kids to do something, do their chores, and they say no. It's like, well, you're, you're going to need to do your chores if you want, you know, to have your sucky, sucker that I promised you at the end of the day, but I want my sucker. Well, you know, you got to do your chores if you want to get your sucker. And that's their choice to either do it or not. Acts 5.11 or 5.1 through 11 says he can be lied to. There's a, um, I mean, you can lie to him. He knows you're lying. You can't hide anything from him. <laughs> There's a story of uh, Ananias and Sapphira. As they're, uh, um, this is the beginning of the church as people are selling their possessions and bringing the money to the church so that others can be blessed. And Ananias and Sapphira, they sell a piece of property. And uh, Ananias comes up and says, hey, we sold this piece of property. Uh, here's all the money from it. And Holy Spirit quickens the word to one of the disciples and says, why have you lied to the Holy Spirit? Like, this isn't all the money. This is only half of it. And instantly this, this man dies. And so you can try to lie to the Holy Spirit, but he knows. Um, so here are just some things that you can read about the personality of the Holy Spirit, about who he is and what he's like. But what's another one, another way that you can learn about somebody um, and, and about their personality besides, you know, reading something on a book or them just telling you uh, what they're like? 
We can spend time with someone. Have a relationship with someone. That's how we truly learn uh, about somebody as spending time with them and learning what they're actually like. You know, my son is now uh, 12 years old, and so we've gotten to know each other for 12 years now. And uh, so I was uh, asking him the other day, Logan, and I was telling him, I want to see if you actually know me, if you've actually picked up on anything over these 12 years or or what. And so I started off with a couple of easy questions first. I was like, okay, Logan, what's what's my favorite sport? And he's like, well, it's baseball, duh. It's like, you're right. Here's another easy one. What's my favorite baseball team? Oh, well, it's the Mariners, duh. Okay, yeah, you're right. And then and I was like, okay, Logan, what's my favorite college team to root for? And he answered, well, you went to the University of Washington and you were a Husky, but you root for the Beavers. And I was like, you're right, <laughs> I do. And, like, and then he asked, do you even root for the Beavers over the Huskies? I was like, yes, I do. And the reason for that is my dad was an Oregon State Beaver, and so I grew up as a little kid rooting for the Beavers, and that just carried with me. Even when I became a Husky, I still root for the Beavers. So I was like, wow, Logan, yes, you're right. You, you knew that. And then I was like, okay, Logan, what's my favorite golf club to hit when we're out playing golf? He's like, it's your driver. I was like, yes, that's true. What's probably my least favorite? He's like, probably your putter. <laughs> Can't get it in the hole. <laughs> and uh, it's actually quite funny. Um, the driver is my favorite to hit, probably the best one that I hit. And I like, well, it's, it's funny when I go out golfing with people that I've never golfed before. I'll step out on the fr first tee, and I'll be able to hit it 300 yards right down the middle of the fairway. And they'll look at me, and they'll be like, how... Like, what do you usually shoot? And I tell them, they're like, that's a lie. You got to shoot better than that. It's like, just wait till you see the rest of my game. <laughs> and very quickly, they realize, actually, my uh, high school golf coach, kind of the complete opposite player of what I was. I'd like to, you know, hit it way out there and then was baffled about how to actually get the ball in the hole from then on. But he was one who could only uh, hit it maybe 200, 250 yards. But then he was so good with his iron, so good with his chipping and his putting. And he'd, obviously, there's a reason why he was the coach and I was not. Um, and he'd obviously outplay me every time. But he always used to tell me something. I was, Jimmy, you drive for show and you putt for dough. <laughs> and that's why he became a professional and a golf coach, and I did not. But so... Uh, my son knew these things about me because we've spent a lot of time together. And just through relationship and observation, he knows what I'm like. He knows the things that I like and, and the things about me. He knows that, you know, I like to be silly and like most dads like to make poop jokes with his kids. So <laughs> <laughs> then I asked him, Logan, is there something that I've taught you over these last few years that you appreciate? And he's uh, like, mm, yeah, you've taught me how to use a compass. And I was like, oh, okay, yeah, I have done that. And uh, why is that important? And he's like, well, because, you know, if you don't know where to go, it can show you which direction you, you need to go, uh, you know, if you're walking around in the woods and stuff. And I was like, yeah, that's, that's true. If you can use that tool, you know, 
Holy Spirit's given us a tool, hasn't he? If we don't know where to go. His word. We can always go back to his word. It's a compass for our life. God, I don't know what to do in this situation. Read the word. Another thing I taught him, and one that uh, he thought was probably more important than a compass, is I taught him how to make pancakes. (laughs) So now he can make his own pancakes. You know the old adage, you know, you can make a man pancakes on Saturday morning, but if you teach a man to make pancakes, well, then he can eat them the rest of his life. Or maybe that was about fishing. I don't know. Which I did teach him how to fish, too. He's a way better fisherman than I am now. But he learned all these things about me, and I was able to teach him things um, through relationship, through living life together. And if you don't know this, God's primary purpose for us, why, why he created us, was not to do stuff. I need an army of people to do things that I can't accomplish on my own. No, he's the all-powerful God. He can do anything he wants. No, the primary purpose why God created us was for relationship. Before, think about this. This is amazing. Before he even created the earth, he had a desire to know you. He had a desire to be in relationship with you. And so I think one thing, you know, with that, his desire to be in relationship with us, one thing that brings him sorrow and sadness is for people who say, yeah, I know him, but then never spend time with him. It would, you know, the reason (laughs) I tell this to my son all the time too, Logan, the reason why me and mommy had you is because we were tired of doing chores. (laughs) We were tired of doing the dishes, so we decided, okay, we need to have a boy or a girl, and they can do the dishes. No, that's not why we decided to try and have kids. Like, I want to be a dad. I want to have a son that I can um, live life with, relate to, go to Mariners games with, go fishing, go hiking, play golf with, spend time with. God's the same way. He created us to be in relationship with us. And it grieves him when we don't want to be in relationship with him or spend time with him. Okay, so that's a little bit about the Holy Spirit. Why is it significant that it's by him we are empowered? Well, the Holy Spirit empowered Jesus. Matthew three thirteen through 17 says, Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to John, to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? But Jesus answered him, Let it be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he consented. And when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. So the Holy Spirit came on Jesus, rested upon him, empowered him, and actually led him into the wilderness where Jesus didn't eat or drink for 40 days and was actually tempted by the devil. 
But in Luke 14, or Luke 4, 14, it actually says, when Jesus returned from the wilderness, he returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee, and a report about him went out through all the surrounding country, and he taught in their synagogues, being glorified by all. So Jesus came back out of the wilderness in the power of the Holy Spirit, not by his own power. I mean, he could have. He's God. Jesus is fully God. But he came back in the power of the Holy Spirit to do the things that he did. And Jesus actually uh, speaks to this again in Matthew 12, 28, how he's empowered by the Holy Spirit as he's casting out demons and religious leaders are coming against him and saying, hey, it's by, you know, the power of the devil that you're casting out these demons. And Jesus is like, well, that doesn't make any sense. How could, you know, um, the, the devil build his kingdom if he's, you know, against himself? But in 12, uh, 1228, uh, he says, but if it is by the spirit of God that I cast out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. So if it's by the spirit of God that I do these things, then... Uh, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. So he did this. He operated in the power of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus, when he left, he sent the Holy Spirit to empower us. That same spirit that empowered him to do what he did, he sent to us so that we could do the same things that he did. I've heard mentioned before that there's no junior Holy Spirit. There is no lesser version. The same version that rested upon Jesus can also empower us. And it comes often through that relationship. And I'll just speak to this really quick before we go on any further, but I've heard many times, and I've heard this in relation to tithing, well, I just don't have enough money to tithe. I can't afford to tithe. And, and the leadership of this church would say, you know, you can't afford not to tithe. Like when you put, put your trust in God, he blesses you. And I would say this as well, that spending time with God, well, I just don't have enough time in my day to spend with God. You don't have enough time to not. When you put him first, and actually Matthew 6, says, seek first the kingdom of God and all his righteousness, and then all this other stuff will be added unto you. And Proverbs 3, 5 through 6 says, Trust the Lord with all your heart and all your ways, um, or lean not on your understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will direct your paths. When you seek him first, in priority and time, he will lead you and guide you and give you everything else that you need. So Jesus empowers and comes to baptize us in the Holy Spirit, to empower him, us, just as he was empowered same, same power that rested on Jesus. Think about that for a second. Think about all the things that you've ever read about Jesus doing. Now think, he did that through the power of the Holy Spirit, which he sent to us when he left to go be with the Father. That's amazing to think. Jesus says in um, John fourteen twelve, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. And greater works than these he will do because I am going to the Father. Jesus says, hey, the same things I did, I'm going to empower you to do. Because it's by the same power. And that's why it's so important that it's by the power of the Holy Spirit. Because Jesus operated in the power 
of the Holy Spirit. The same works. And when he says, and greater works than these, like in greater measure, you're going to do um, in more abundance. And that makes sense, you know, as Jesus, you know, in bodily form could only be in one place at one time. But when the Holy Spirit comes, it's everywhere, can fill us here in Aberdeen, fill the believers in Seattle, fill the believers in uh, China, fill the believers in Russia to do the works of God through the Holy Spirit power. Uh, John 14, 26, uh, I mentioned it uh, above, but I'm going to mention it again here. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. And all, that word all means all. Each and everything that you've seen me do, the Holy Spirit is going to teach you to do as well. Many things that I think we desire to be taught and sometimes we struggle with. Like if you want to learn how to, like who would say, I want to overcome fear, anxiety, worry? The Holy Spirit can teach you to do that. And you just need to spend time with him and he will teach you. The only reason or the only way that I can teach my son is to spend time with him and teach him these different things. Spend time with the Holy Spirit, and he will teach you, and he will empower you to do these things. So Jesus is saying, all the miracles and amazing things that you ever saw me do by the power of the Holy Spirit, you can do as well. Well, does that mean that we can have the power and ability to forgive like Jesus did? Yeah, we do. We have access to that same power to forgive like he did. And how he forgave as he was hanging on that cross with all those people shouting insults at him. What did he do? Father, forgive them. For they know not what they do. We have that same ability, same power to be able to forgive like he did through the power of the Holy Spirit. Do we have the ability and power to love our enemy like Jesus did? Yeah. Wait, for those people who speak poorly about us, treat us poorly, we're still supposed to love them, pray for them? And Jesus did. By the power of the Holy Spirit, we can as, as well. Wait, we have the ability to serve like Jesus did without trying to get anything back or for any profit, but just to serve somebody else and to bless somebody else? Getting nothing back for my own? Yeah, we can, through the power of the Holy Spirit. That's how Jesus did it. That's how we can as well. The ability and power to prophesy, to speak into somebody's life that only God would know. Encourage them in a way that only God can. Jesus did that through the Spirit of the uh, Holy Spirit. Ability to heal the sick. Jesus healed the sick, the lame, the blind, the hurting, the oppressed through the power of the Holy Spirit. Same Spirit, same power lives within us and we are taught to use it when we spend time with Him. And I was just talking to somebody that there's been a couple occasions where God has 
or Holy Spirit has used me to bring healing to somebody. He can do it in you too, do it through you too. Now, even if God asks you, it's the same Holy Spirit that Jesus walked on water. If he asked you to do it, he would give you the power to do that. Actually, there was a, a few years ago, I was at a youth camp and we were at, uh, it was during the winter in Spokane. And we were on this, this camp was next to this frozen lake and they just had a couple of days of like 60 degree weather. So it created this like one inch layer of water on top of this frozen lake. So I went walking out on this lake. It's like, look, I'm walking on water. <laughs> Scriptures have come true. No. But if God asked you to do that, he would empower you to do that. He gave Peter the ability to do that. When he kept his eyes on Jesus, Jesus walked on water towards Jesus. So the same Holy Spirit that Jesus operated through, we can operate through. We can overcome the power of the enemy because I'm not sure exactly the scripture reference, but greater is he who is in us than he that is in the world. Greater is the power of the Holy Spirit than the power of the enemy. But, but above all of this, I want you guys to get this. The greatest thing is not the power that you can um, get from him, but the relationship that you're supposed to be in with him. Because that's what he desires, is relationship. And through that relationship, he will lead you, he will guide you, he will teach you, he will empower you to do all things. You don't need to worry about the empowerment part. That will just happen as you spend time with him. So one thing as just a practical step, one of the things that I do each and every day when I wake up is I take my first moments to spend with God. Spend the first moments with him. That, that word as in that scripture that I said, Matthew 6, seek first the kingdom of God. That, that word seek first, it's actually one word in, in Greek. It means in uh, priority and in time. So make God the most important thing and make God the first thing in your day. And if you honor him, he will honor you and bless you. So Holy Spirit desires to be with us. He desires to empower us. And he wants to do that through relationship. Amen? Amen. Let's stand. power of the Holy Spirit lives inside of you and he can teach you all things that he wants you to do. My son now has the power to make pancakes. <laughs> but it all begins with that relationship. It begins with that relationship with Jesus Christ. So with every head bowed, every eye closed, I want to give it uh, anybody in here who has not made that decision an opportunity today. If you've never accepted Jesus into your life, made him Lord of your life, and, and um, asked for forgiveness of your sins, or maybe you did at one point, but you know that you've walked away from that relationship and you want to walk back into it, I want to give you that opportunity. So with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, let's just repeat this prayer. 
together. Actually, before I do so, if that's you, can I just see who I'm praying for? Who wants to make that decision today? Thank you. Amen. Amen. Think about this. Anybody else? The, the God of the universe created all. His greatest desire is to know you, have a relationship with you. Thank you. I see those hands. All right. We're going to pray this together. Now, these aren't just magic words, but if you believe in your heart what you, with what you confess with your mouth, you will be saved, and Jesus will come in, and he will live with you. So, Lord, repeat after me. Father God, thank you for sending your son, Jesus, to die in my place. Jesus, thank you for hanging on the cross, for paying my, for my sins. Forgive me of all my wrongdoings, all my sin. From this day, I choose to serve you. I want you to be my boss. I want you to be my king. I want you to be my friend. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, that's the best decision that you can ever make, is stepping into that relationship with Christ will empower you to be an overcomer and a conqueror and the person that he has called you to be. Amen? Amen. We're going to worship as we end this service.